This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones, and the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If you, therefore, are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's first reading comes from the prophet Amos, who ministers to the people of Israel around 750 years before Christ. I really personally like this passage because I can relate to it and because I think it lays out clearly an essential spiritual material dynamic that's part of human life in every time and place. Amos lives at a time when our Jewish spiritual ancestors are enjoying significant material prosperity. And in the midst of this, they're drifting away from God and they're drifting away from love, love for God and love for other people. Does that sound at all familiar? The authenticity of a person's relationship with God may be reflected in his or her religious activities. The authenticity of a person's relationship with God is reflected in his or her daily actions, many, many, many of which are tied to material things. We are not disembodied spirits. We live in the real material world. Who we are, whether it's godly and holy or ungodly and unholy and everywhere in between, is very much made evident day by day by how we choose to use the material wealth God has given us, whatever material wealth we have, whether that's a lot, whether it's very little, all of this applies to all of us. So here's this great image today from Amos. People 
are participating in good religious practices. They're participating in the observance of the Sabbath and the celebration of the new moon. In both of those cases, work ceases and people are invited by God. They are given the opportunity by God to reconnect by God and to reorient themselves to learning and doing God's will. God gives the Sabbath day not as a requirement, but as a gift for renewal. In the Jewish tradition, this is a very concrete, not at all vague experience. If we authentically observe the Sabbath, we pull back from the busyness and many of the material details of the rest of the week, and we hear about how to live as the instruments of God's love for real, very much materially, and in the Jewish tradition, very much with a special focus on meeting the needs of people who are poor and needy, because that's who God is. We just sang that in the psalm. God hears the cry of the poor. If I am authentically observing the Sabbath, I'm going to grow as a person who lives like God. In the passage, Amos, through God's grace, calls out what's really going on inside many people at his time. During the Sabbath itself, people, in fact, are thinking about getting more material wealth for themselves. They're thinking, when this will be over, they're thinking, when will this be over? When is this going to be over so we can sell our produce so that we can get more material wealth for ourselves? They're thinking, when this is over, we can implement clever means of cheating in sales to get more, more material wealth for themselves. They're thinking during the Sabbath, when this is over, we're going to be able to manipulate and take advantage of the poor and needy in order to get more, more, more material wealth for themselves. And they're even thinking during the Sabbath, when this is done, we're going to sell the refuse of the wheat, which you may recall, according to God's law, is supposed to be left on the ground when the wheat is harvested so that people who are hungry can pick up that wheat and be nourished. These people have been given by God bright, clever, creative, capable minds. These are gifts from God. It's not an issue whatsoever in any negative form. But what are they choosing to do with those gifts? Who are they choosing as their God? Is it the true God or is it, in fact, it is material wealth? This is what Jesus will later call, and we heard it in today's gospel reading, mammon, material wealth used in ungodly, selfish ways. If you take seriously that passage, which I hope you do, I hope you would ask, does God really care about this? Does God really care about the way we live our lives this way or that way in terms of material wealth? Listen to what God says through Amos. Never will I forget anything they have done. Jesus, the Son of God, affirms over and over, as I hope you know, the critical importance of what we do with the material wealth we have. Today's gospel reading is from the beginning of the 16th chapter of Luke. 
In this, Jesus offers detailed teachings addressed not to the crowd in general, but to his disciples, people who are choosing to follow him, which hopefully includes you and me. These are presumably originally separate teachings that Luke brings together here because they are connected. I hope you will reread these, this passage, these teachings, each day this week. I hope you're going to let them sink in and hear them spoken directly by Jesus to you personally. The goal here is that we all grow in enlightenment. I hope that we're challenged by these, whether they confirm good things going on in our lives or confirm tough things in our lives. These are all gifts from Jesus directly to you, directly to all of us as the church. At the core of the passage, Jesus offers a parable about a steward. The steward works for a rich man and is responsible for using the rich man's material wealth for the benefit of the rich man. The steward is paid to use the rich man's wealth for the benefit of the rich man. Part of the rich man's business in this parable is to lease his land to tenant farmers who pay back, who pay a certain amount of the produce from the land to the rich man. They harvest the land they lease, they produce whatever the product is, and in payment of rent, they give a certain amount of the produce to the rich man. So for example, using the terms of the parable we just heard, the tenant leases land and grows olives that will ultimately be expected to produce 50 measures, that would be 50 jugs of olive oil. The master charges a fee of 50 measures of oil from the tenant, and it's the steward's job to arrange a promissory note, an, an actual document in which the tenant writes down, I promise I will in return for the use of this land give you 50 measures of olive oil after the harvest. So the rich man gains 50 measures of olive oil. What happens here and what happens commonly, not even that distantly in the future in this kind of a setup, is that the steward adds a commission or some sort of interest to the principal for himself. It's not for the master. He adds an amount of expected produce for himself to the amount owed to the master. So in the parable, it's probably that the steward adds 50 measures of oil for himself to the promissory note, now making it a total of 100 measures of oil, 50% more that the tenant is expected to pay and promises to pay. Presumably the tenant is in the midst of a system in which he has little choice. Either I pay this ridiculous promissory note, this cheating promissory note, or I don't have an income. Presume here that the tenants are not stupid. I am sure they recognize the corruption of the steward, and I think it's safe to guess that they are repulsed by the corruption of the entire system. So in the parable, it's reported to the rich man that the dishonest steward has somehow, that detail doesn't matter and it's a story, he has somehow been squandering the rich man's property. The rich man summons the steward and tells him to prepare a full account of his stewardship because he's going to fire him. 
The steward is very gifted. He straightaway says to himself, what shall I do? That is precisely the right question. The master is taking the position of steward away from him. No job, no income, safe to guess here, no home anymore, because presumably he lives on the master's property. The steward is very realistic about himself. I am not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. What's a solution? Other people, they're the solution. Other people could welcome him into their homes when he loses his job and income and home. Absolutely correct. But he's not popular with other people. He's been ripping off the other people around him, and they know it. He keeps pushing. I know what I will do so that when people may, who may currently despise me may welcome me into their homes, he devises a very clever plan. He gets up and he puts it into action. He calls his master's debtors one by one. That's a significant detail to me. If he called them all together, this probably wouldn't work. They would just say goodbye. He calls them one by one. To the first, he says, how much do you owe my master? The reply is 100 measures of oil. So the steward hands back to this tenant the original promissory note, and he says, sit down quickly and write me one for 50. He's, in fact, just cutting out from this promissory note, his dishonest cheating commission, which means he's reducing the rent by 50% for this tenant. That is going to be a huge relief to the tenant. That increases at least the likelihood that the tenant may have some goodwill toward the steward. And in fact, if the tenant also doesn't like this whole system and has a very negative view of the rich man, the tenant may also feel, well, now we're getting one back at the rich man who presides over this whole system. The master in the parable sees all this, and he commends the dishonest steward for acting prudently. The master, of course, does not commend him for his dishonesty or his badness. Those are evil. The parable in no way, shape, or form approves of dishonesty or the falsification of accounts. That's all sinful. The parable is about Jesus's affirmation about the prudence of the steward. Prudence, the wise, practical, creative, active ways the steward gets to work with the material wealth at hand to secure the positive outcome he ultimately desires. Jesus lays this out very directly. Children of this world, meaning dishonest, materialistic, sinful people, are more prudent in dealing with the world, the ungodly world, than children of light. The qualities we see in the dishonored, dishonest steward are seen in the behavior of sinful people who pursue mammon more than those qualities are seen in the behavior right now of Jesus's disciples. That's not at all a condemnation from Jesus. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of the limitations right now of his disciples. 
going back to that image from Amos and applying it to us, disciples today, the goal is not for us to stop on the Sabbath and go into some sort of detached coma and then walk through the week like pious zombies. The goal is for us to understand and use our minds, our creativity, our cleverness, and high energy for the true God, using the gifts he's given us, specifically the material wealth he's given us, to concretely figure out and pursue building his kingdom in this very real world. The goal is to be faithful and very prudent stewards of God's gifts, including the material gifts that God has given us, serving God. So as you begin with that passage this week, hopefully say, well, how can I grow in my life situation, strong or weak, holy or sinful right now? How can we be more prudent stewards? You might start this week by rereading the three direct applications, the statements, the instructions from Jesus that continue after the parable in that text. Let me give you one final note to get you going. Thank you. Thank you for the superabundant ways that so many of you in this parish do live and manifestly grow as prudent stewards of God's material gifts in this community. So many of you do serve God, not mammon. So many people in St. Patrick Parish and in Lawrence and leaders of the faith community, leaders of the church in our parish and city, I am confident are commended by God for acting prudently in your families, in the city, and especially in the life of the church at St. Patrick's and the church in Lawrence, so many people, more than anywhere I've ever lived, honestly assess the real world in which we do live. They recognize our many limitations and especially our weaknesses, including the vulnerabilities we have because of our sin. So many faithful Catholics here do sincerely learn the truth of Christ, figure out how to pursue it, today, make plans for doing that, and then get out there and hustle, shake, and sacrifice time, treasure, and talent, treasure included, to get us materially from here to there in helping build God's kingdom. We are serving a couple hundred thousand meals, 365 days a year, across the street at our Coruna Meal Center. Those meals do not appear because manna descends from heaven every morning and every evening. Those meals appear because for almost 16 years, we'll be celebrating our anniversary at the end of this month, people in this community, including many of you, have figured out we really must pursue feeding and giving drink to our neighbor they have figured out in this very material world how to build and how to operate core unum, even in the midst of COVID. They sacrifice their time, their talent, and very much their treasure to be the instruments of that reality from God. If you are part of that, thank you.
Every day, now that we've passed Labor Day, 450 plus children show up at Lawrence Catholic Academy. Those children receive the single best bar none education in this city with so many educational needs that is available to children in this city. They do not receive this education. Those doors are not going to open on Monday because God mystically, magically produces a school or opens doors. Those children are being served for God and in God because so many people, including many of you, make the choice to figure out how to do this in 2022 with the real educational needs and the real material resources that God has given us. It's a really big deal. Our families this year will sacrifice something, collectively sacrifice something like a million dollars to contribute financially to their children's education. Other people who don't have children in the school collectively will contribute around $1.5 million to make Lawrence Catholic Academy real. People who donate to the Catholic Schools Foundation, people who, and individuals and foundations and businesses that donate directly to the school. St. Patrick Parish and Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish, which sacrifice money every single week to help make Lawrence Catholic Academy a reality. If you are part of that, thank you. You inspire me to be a more prudent steward. These windows are now, with the exception of the rose window, all of the magnificent stained glass windows in this church are no longer here. They are in Wisconsin or on the way because we recognized this extraordinarily magnificent house of God, which was given to us by previous prudent stewards, needs to be kept in the best possible beautiful shape for us and for future generations of children of God and Lawrence. We're spending more than a million bucks to do that concrete task. Who would figure that's possible given the economy of the city of Lawrence? God would figure it. And many people in this community have figured out that's what God would have us do and have themselves sacrificed more than a million real dollars to make this happen. If you're part of that, thank you. It inspires me. It inspires me to be a more prudent steward of the wealth God has given me. Thank you to all of you who are and grow as prudent stewards of material wealth. And to any of you who are not, I'm very glad you're here. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.